0: So, Brian, you know how our podcast tagline is technically that we're teaching your unwilling children about Asian-American pop culture history? That's right. Do you think any children actually listen to this podcast? And should we warn their parents that we're going to be talking about
1: porn? I think you just did. But the answer is no. Holy Potluck. 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 <laughs> I'm Brian Hu.
0: I'm Ada Singh.
1: And welcome to Saturday School.
0: When your friends are watching Saturday morning cartoons, you're being forced to learn Asian American pop culture history. Welcome back to Saturday School, everybody. Today we have a very special episode. We are going to be looking at a collection of short films by director professor professor director I either Wen Tan Huang from the 90s and early 2000s.
1: That's kind of his heyday of video making. Yeah, so since the 1990s, Huang has specialized in videos that are personal about LGBT Asian American themes. But he's especially interested in it from the perspective of sex acts. So whether that's pornography or more diaristic ways of thinking about it, or just experimentally, how do we use images of sexuality to explore identity or to just kind of explode our ideas of what is the visual domain of the asian american experience
0: when did you first hear about his work
1: i think i read about his work in articles about queer asian american video making but i first watched his films once again at the library at the university of california irvine when i was doing a retrospective on vietnamese american cinema for the san diego asian film festival and i was trying to be as thorough as possible basically any vietnamese american directed film that i could get my hands on i would watch and I had heard about Huang's film, so I'd picked the one that seemed to be the most about the Vietnamese-American experience, and that happened to be a film called Pirated!
0: Pirated!
1: And it was fantastic. It remains my favorite of his works. Uh, we didn't end up showing it because it didn't really fit tonally, the shorts film program that I was putting together, but I'm so glad we have a chance to talk about it now.
0: <laughs> Can you explain why tonally, Pirated, might not have fit with any other films that you were showing that day?
1: Well, it begins like many a Vietnamese-American documentary. It comes from a first-person perspective, a man who is an American now thinking back when he was a child on the boat. His family are refugees escaping the war.
0: As the ship slowly drifted away from Saigon, I remember an eerie silence. I recall thinking about my home, my family, my friends, and the unknown future in America.
1: I pray that one day I will be able to return to Vietnam. And there were Thai pirates, and they were saved by German Marines. And he's trying to make sense of the very traumatic experience of being on his boat and having all these strangers on there, but also just being a young person understanding the world in a new way. And his memory of it, his fantasy of it, is of white men having sex with him. Remember, in a pirate ship, in pirate waters, in a pirate world, ask no questions. Believe only what you see.
0: As a kid, these were the examples of masculinity around him. There are the Thai pirates who are like the bad guys, and then there are the German saviors. He has
1: fantasies of these German marines as these kind of like perfectly sculpted Aryan princes. My friend, my friend, my friend, my friend, my friend. And I think this is an important intervention he's making because so when I was doing this research for this retrospective I was doing, the number one thing I was trying to break away from, so I did it on the 40th anniversary of the fall of Saigon. And in a lot of places, especially in like a military town like San Diego, everybody was commemorating that anniversary by talking about the American military and like all the sacrifices that the military did and how basically the white people saved the Vietnamese. And that's like a dominant narrative that we've seen in the United States for the last forty years. And I wanted to first of all not show any movies that did that. And then when I looked at films by Vietnamese Americans, they obviously humanized the Vietnamese refugee experience more, but Through films like Journey from the Fall, ultimately they're showing how Vietnamese suffered. And there's great truth to that, but it's still rather one-dimensional. And we never think about, like, what was the desire that was happening at that time? Or kind of what was happening in in a more fantasy space, as opposed to just the extreme visceral bodily suffering that we see in a lot of these movies.
0: What was going on in the head of an adolescent?
1: Yeah, exactly. And who knows what it could be, and some of it may be extremely quote-unquote inappropriate to the mainstream of how we like to remember that experience. But what I like is that it seems like Huang himself is pirating. He's like citing images of white military masculinity, and he's also citing boat people stories, and he's pirating both. Like, yeah it's like a remix he's taking images from both and like transforming it into this wild sexual fantasy and it's hilarious i mean i i think it's hilarious to watch because it's totally ironic and and, and, like he he uses these images of such ridiculously virile white men that we We can't really take it seriously at the same time as we can see how somebody would be attracted to it.
0: The title Pirated refers to the pirates, but also the pirated films that he's using to make
1: the short. He definitely cited this Burt Lancaster film called The Crimson Pirate. And... Burt Lancaster just being such a paragon of like Hollywood masculinity and just looks so hilarious that he would be on a boat.
0: There's also karaoke videos of Vietnamese pop songs. And when there's text on the screen explaining his life story, it looks like old school karaoke videos. The lyrics.
1: Right. But yeah, he's evoking karaoke videos that I think any Vietnamese American growing up with a family of refugees would recognize because this is both like a tie to the homeland, but also a uniquely diasporic phenomenon because these songs were of, kind of pre-communist Vietnam, or they are new songs, kind of written and performed by and for the diaspora. A lot of nostalgia. They're like seeping with the sadness of what they've lost culturally. The sea and
0: I will cry. The trees will sway
1: oh, it's, it's like trashy and beautiful. And for me, it's like also reminds me of like 1970s Taiwanese songs.
0: Yeah, yeah, we can definitely relate.
1: And I don't know if you remember one of the performers in particular named Delana.
0: I don't know, but tell me.
1: So uh, I know Delena because Huang actually dedicated an entire documentary to Delena. The film is called Cover Girl, A Gift from God. And she is a white woman who does not understand a word of Vietnamese but sings Vietnamese ballads. Like she just kind of fell in love with those songs. So some of those videos that we're seeing that he's citing are actually of Delena, a white woman, who in a very respectful way sings these songs. But we all watch it thinking like, all right, who the hell are you? And should we think you're awesome for being able to do this? Or should we just think you're some kind of poser? And that weird sense of appropriation, I think, is doubly funny by the fact that Huang is appropriating these images of white, virile, Hollywood masculinity in his gay porn fantasies as, as a Vietnamese American.
0: I think it's just, you know, hearing these really emotional ballads that you attribute to family and immigrant legacy, and then juxtapose with Hollywood men and then pornography.
1: and I think like a really literal criticism of this would be like, oh, why are why are you like glorifying? the white military man in this kind of devastating situation and it's like there's nothing about it that feels realistic like this doesn't seem like this is actually happening Huang's <laughs> approach is so over the top and ridiculous and kind of playful and it's graphic and troublemaking that that's where the bite comes from yeah yeah so this was made in 2000 and he was pulling from a lot of other things that he was playing with in other films um especially with appropriating other images, turning things into gay pornographic fantasies. Do you want to say anything about his 1995 video, Forever Jimmy? Forever Jimmy has your name written all over, I think. I'm pretty (laughs) sure it's a reference to the hot Taiwanese actor Jimmy Lin from the 1990s, who I remember from all of the school day films that he did with Takeshi Kaneshiro, who's also featured in this movie.
0: Yes, I am a fan of nineties Takeshi Kaneshiro. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how much of a fan. I, I feel like I don't know a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> but the stuff I found on YouTube has been extremely inspiring. It was a part of your wedding. Let us not forget. <laughs> like a lot of people, we had a flash mob to Takeshi Kaneshiro's 90 hit Let's Fall in Love at our wedding. Let's fall in love.
1: so for jimmy is looking at it now it looks like what you might you might see like as fan images that they put over a song
0: like a youtube fan video
1: exactly yeah mostly like movie magazine pictures of stars like takashi kanashiro and jimmy lin but also like the hong kong four heavenly kings andy Lau, Aaron Kwok, leon lai stuff you might find in a teenage girls fan magazine
0: but then gradually he starts zooming in on their crotches of like their 90s baggy jeans. Probably
1: <laughs> it's done in a very tasteful way. Like it's still very innocent <laughs> the way he's refocusing his gaze. And then like the narration is him talking about his search for Asian male gay icons. And what I see it as is with the paucity of Asian American images in the American mainstream, he finds these potential objects of desire in Hong Kong in Taiwan uh, where there is a bustling star machine pumping out these beautiful men like Takeshi Kaneshiro and Andy Lau in the early 1990s.
0: I totally relate to that. Right. And I and, and think <laughs> the two
1: of us have written entire articles or made videos about this sort of phenomenon of we don't find it in Asian America or if it's hard to find or if they exist in the United States, but they are not turned into media images. How do we appropriate it or how do we become fans of it? And therefore as fans, we can only turn to where they are doing stuff like that. So I think this is also a large part of the larger Asian American film project, which is trying to find those images. And if you can't find those images, you have, kind of have to be creative about how you determine what kind of images make sense within your, your desire. And this, this reminds me not just of Huang's other work, including Pirated, but also like Rhea Tajiri's classic History and Memory, which is also about looking for images wherever you can to help represent you, which is not being represented by the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. Once again, like done in such a fun, cheeky way, and it's full of just terrific music from that period. And a lot of his early works are great music.
0: But I think my favorite is actually Forever Bottom. Really? Yeah, I think Forever Bottom is my
1: favorite. Wow, okay. You want to say what Forever Bottom is about? Or what it presents to us?
0: It's a short that he wrote, directed, and starred in from 1999. And it's basically about um, being a bottom. Sure. He's questioning this idea of Asian masculinity, especially within gay circles, and I mean, just like Asian men in general are often emasculated in the images of Hollywood. But then when you translate that to gay sex and who's the top and who's the bottom, it's this idea that in gay porn and maybe other forms of gay media, the Asian man is assumed to be the bottom. He's assumed to be the weaker one, not the alpha male. He's assumed to like not be that attractive. And he's playing around with that, not only challenging the idea that Asian men need to be the bottom, but also questioning why it's bad to be a bottom. So it's basically, I feel like there's a lot of scenes of bouncing, like, (laughs) like, but you just see like his feet up in the air. Um, bouncing up and down <laughs> and then he goes and he bounces up and down somewhere else I think you
1: may need to be more specific about what you mean by bouncing up and down
0: like he's getting fucked in the ass is that, what you that is it is <laughs> like he's the bottom right yeah he's like acting the role of the bottom um I wrote it down like all these other places but I don't have my notes with me <laughs> like where, where else is he He's
1: in the car outside inside everywhere yeah and, and, and so visually what we're seeing is a emphasis on his face And only in watching it did I ever think about the fact that in gay porn, usually the camera is on the face of the person who's the top. And it's really that guy's pleasure that is being foregrounded as opposed to the pleasure of the bottom. What he's saying is like, look at my face. Look at my body as it's happening. I'm really enjoying this. And you know what? You don't get to feel this because you think that you have to be the top. And look at all the fun I'm having.
0: Yeah, he's having a lot of fun. I don't know. I feel like I felt the spirit of it. Like I felt like... I feel like if I was a gay man and I wanted to get that message across, that is the film that I would make. <laughs> I actually, when I watched it, I didn't know it was him. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why I think I related so much to it. Because, I mean, I'm not a performer. So I think if I just saw and knew it was him, I wouldn't have thought like that's the film I would have made. Because I don't think I would like be the star of it. But I felt like, yeah, I, w- I would get my friend to start it. <laughs> <laughs> And then I would be holding the camera. And I, I would feel like just you've like, done this before. I know. I mean, just not the gay porn version. But, you know, I'd be yeah. holding the camera or the iPhone because we'd just be shooting on our iPhone. And I'd be like, hey, where else can you, like, <laughs> pretend that you're getting fucked in the ass? Let's go here. Like, let's go, on the, <laughs> let's go on the table. Let's go on the tree. Like, oh, look, there's a really cool sign. Do it there. Oh, there's a fountain. Do it there. That's,
1: you know, that's what I would do. And that sense of fun, like, contributes to your sense that this is very pleasurable. Like, yeah. And so this film is a precursor to huang's larger scholarly project
0: yes his dissertation because he's very serious
1: in his pleasure this is very serious the social and cultural significance of this and political significance of this i think is quite clear and you've you've described that well (laughs) did i (laughs) this is the joyous short video version and then he also has a longer kind of academic monograph version of it that came out from duke university press
0: With an excellent book cover.
1: (laughs) Almost seems like he's citing his own movie.
0: It's basically just, you know, feet. I don't know if it's his. Maybe he he probably got like a leg model, leg and foot model, (laughs) legs up in the air. Yeah.
1: The book is called A View from the Bottom from 2014, which is much easier to get than the actual movie that we're talking about.
0: It's a greater study of Asian masculinity
1: as seen in the Western world. Specifically through film and other images.
0: Not not limited to the LGBT experience, but just in
1: general. So I feel like I
0: related to that too. It
1: moves us from a lot of angles. Not unlike getting fucked in the ass, I guess.
0: How would we watch that? Is it not available?
1: I mean, like, sadly, these films, even though they're canonized within Asian-American cinema, in the study of it, it's really hard to find except in university libraries. So you
0: gotta, like, go to university libraries to see Forever Bottom?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, do what I did. I watched Pirated at the UCI Library as people were walking behind me watching what I'm watching. But you know what? They should consider themselves lucky.
0: I mean, the UC Irvine Library is where I like to watch my porn. (laughs) (laughs) No. Believe half of what you see. And the custom!
1: A banker, Move your
0: levers! Saturday School is a proud member of Potluck, a collective of podcasts that feature stories and voices from the Asian American community. It's produced by me and Brian. Our theme song is courtesy of Rimsky Music and Premium Beat. Check out our new website at Saturday where you can find lecture notes and links to all the films we covered. Or you can tweet us. I'm at Ada Singh, A-D-A-T-S-E-N-G. Brian's at Who's Brian, H U S B R I A N, and our podcast handle is Wake Up Sat School. We're skipping school next week, but in two weeks we'll be back. Your assignment is to watch the 2008 documentary Dirty Hands The Art and Crimes of David Cho. Class dismissed. <laughs>
1: We could wrap it up on my comment about getting fucked in the ass.
0: What was your comment about getting fucked in the ass?
1: That these films move us from many different angles, just like getting fucked in the ass does.
0: Oh, I must have missed you saying that. (laughs) I'm glad. Well, maybe we'll just have you say that twice. (laughs) It's a wrap. (laughs) Go to bed, kids.
1: Turn out the lights. Go to bed.